Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and especially big welcome to those of us who are in the Wide Awake Club this morning. It is now 5.15am and I have been awake for about two hours, I'd say. And this morning I was woken up by some party goers outside who were singing some sort of song and it wasn't a football song. Um, but there's always one or two with the loudest voices. And whilst I live in a most beautiful apartment that is high on a hillside with gorgeous views of the harbour and the, the sea, I uh, it seems that it's like a bowl. And so all the sound goes up the walls and just hits at the top of my bedroom every now and again, usually on a Saturday night and sometimes on a Friday. So that's me. That's why I've been awake for a couple of hours this morning. And of course, I've done the whole um, scrolling through Facebook for two hours, which is the worst thing possible. And yet I still do it. I always say I haven't got an addictive personality. And yet I don't think that's exactly true. Because Facebook is my addiction, you know, and um, it's like my go to. It's my go-to when I wake up in the middle of the night or the early morning. And how I can spend two hours scrolling through such uninteresting rubbish, really, is beyond me. But I do. What's interesting for me is when I am outside in nature, I don't have the desire to do this. It's just when I'm stuck within four walls. And I have been absent from Facebook for a few weeks and um, life goes well. You know, my eyes improve tremendously because I'm doing all of this on my phone. Um, and yeah, my poor little eyes are not great. So they're always strained by the time the daylight comes. So what's this about waking up and sleep and that sort of thing? Well, the first thing is I was actually in bed by about half nine last night. So if you think about it, half nine till three-ish, almost six hours, that is plenty of sleep for me. I can manage on four. Six is good. But for some reason, if I have five or seven, I'm really, really rubbish. I just can't wake up properly. So there's something in that somewhere in my body clock. It knows exactly how much sleep it needs. And I've also become aware of how it's the quality of rest that I need, not how many hours sleep. And you know this fallacy of eight hours. It really is not a helpful belief. I used to work, part of my work a long time back was, uh, it's always been in the health and well-being really, I guess, and uh, before that teaching, mainly early years, but also primary and key stage two, three. So that's sort of been my background. But all through this, sleep would come and go, and I recognise that I can last about three nights with no sleep whatsoever, and then I just need to sleep, otherwise I get grumpy or, yeah, I'm not nice to be around. But I... Through my 
my training as a psychotherapist, there was a hypnotherapy element. And let me just tell you this story. So I really did not like the prospect of studying hypnotherapy. As far as I was concerned, the only experience I'd had of anything hypnotic was a stage show where the host got people to do silly things like walk around the stage as like a chicken and um, beginning to do a strip and things like that. So it was not my cup of tea whatsoever, but it was part of my psychotherapy training. And um, it was actually a full six weeks of the training. So when we started, I said to the trainer, listen, I really don't want to be doing this hypnotherapy lark. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's kind. I don't think it's helpful. And she was really cally, this lady. She said to me, that's okay, don't worry about it, but you do need to be in the group. It's part of your uh, qualification, your attendance is your, you know, goes towards it. So fair enough. So I sat there for two, three, five, all together, it was 12 days over a period. And I was in her hypnotherapy class, but I wasn't partaking as far as I was concerned anyway. But what happened was I watched how she taught it. I watched how she induced people, how she took them into the deepening and how she did the auto suggestions and how she brought people back round to present. And what I think was wonderful about her saying I have to be there was the fact that I got the added advantage of watching everybody else going through the process of hypnotherapy. And I don't know if you know or not, but hypnotherapy works on the subconscious. So subliminally, of course, I was learning how to become a hypnotherapist with this added advantage of being able to watch different people go through the different stages. So I could see their, their, the colour in their cheeks starting to fade. I could see their eyes starting to flicker. I could see the breath changing. Which, of course, if I was in the process myself, I wouldn't have been able to observe. So that was really helpful. Anyway, towards the end, we got paired up with people to practice. Now, let me just tell you, I still wasn't convinced by this. And I got paired with the one woman in the whole group that I didn't get on with. And the reason I didn't get on with her was she had so many qualifications. She was qualified in this, that and the other but she'd had no life experience, no practice. So she was all theory and no application. And she had this arrogant attitude of all her qualifications. I, on the other hand, was the opposite. I'd already had 40 years life experience in various situations. And apart from teaching and running my own nursery school for 10 years, I hadn't really done much formal qualifications at that point, or oh, apart from me relationship counselling with Relate. So I was on the first few steps of academia, really. Anyway, I got partnered with this lady and uh, we got put in this tiny room together. And she said, right, OK, I'm going to hypnot- I'm going to do a script on you. I'll, I'll hypnotise you. What is it you want to let go of? And I said, oh, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm not really into it. Um, 
I'm sorry you've got a partner with me, but uh, I'll do what I have to do for you. But no, thanks. I don't. I don't. I'm not into it. So she said, no, I have to do a script on you. That's my practice. That's what we need to practice. So if there's something you'd like to um, stop or give up or I said, mm, no, I can't think of anything. Um, no, there must be something. And I've got a bit, you know, arsy with her. And I said, look, if there's something I want to give up, I give it up. That's how my mind is. Same as if there's something I want to do in life. I do it. It's just a mind thing after all. Well, she said, let's, let's, I've got to do something. Just play the game. So I thought, fair enough. So in some sort of jokey way, really, taking the mickey, I said to her, okay, let's go with this. I said, every time I go home, I walk into the kitchen and I put the kettle on. And as it's boiling, I turn around, go to the bottom drawer and I get out the chocolate digestives, which I know this was before I knew I had gluten intolerance, by the way, which I know will hurt my stomach. But I do it and I hate half a packet of chocolate digestives. So if you can stop me doing that, I'll believe in this lark. Yes, she said, I can do that. So she spent about five minutes doing what they call a script and she began it. Now, I was like a school child. I sat on a chair, rocking, looking around the room. I wouldn't close my eyes. I was like a stroppy teenager. And she's reading this script and I'm thinking, well, this is a load of twaddle. And that was it. And then she asked me to do her script and I said, oh, I don't know, really. No, I haven't. I can't do it. She said, it's OK. I've got my script. And she wanted to be stopped spoken, which is the... The, one of the two, the two hardest ones are weight loss and smoking. But it had been my dream all my life, my passion, my commitment to stop smoking in the world because it really did not well, work well for me. She'd written her own script and I just sat and I, I did it for her. And that was it. Said goodbye, went home. Got home, gave my husband a cup of tea and he said to me, we run out of biscuits and from that moment on I never went back to chocolate biscuits chocolate digestives don't get me wrong occasionally I will have them but that habit was broken and so therefore that convinced me how effective hypnotherapy is and in fact I went on to um, specialize in stopping smoking for a couple of years stopped a few hundred people smoking now, in fact, it was highly successful. There's only one person who didn't stop. And for some reason, well, I don't know the reason. The only thing I could think of was English was not their first language. So my nuances and tones were different to theirs. That's the only person who didn't stop. What fascinated me actually was how one person stopped smoking just while she was carrying her baby. And then when she had the baby she started again. I found that fascinating. So that's the story of hypnotherapy and the mind and sleep because I also started working with people around sleep issues and insomnia. My oldest client was an 80 year old man in New Zealand who told me that since his wife had died I think it was two and a half years previously, he hadn't been able to sleep. 
So I worked with him for about six weeks, actually. And um, like I say, this is an 81-year-old intelligent man of the scientific persuasion, really. But I worked with him, and then I was coming home from New Zealand after that. And one morning I got a phone call, and he was quite grumpy. He said, I want a word with you, young lady. And I said, why, what's happened, Jim? And he said, I've just overslept this morning. I slept till half past seven. He said, and I'm late. And I said, what are you late for? Well, I've got a life to lead. Now, 81 years old, he was still very active. He said, I can't be doing with all this late, late mornings. He said, I need my sleep pattern adjusting. Well, it made me laugh because, you know, previously he just wasn't sleeping at all. You can't please some folk. But what I did manage to do with him was change the time he woke up. So he could still live his life and still get as much sleep as he needed. So, yeah, this whole sleep thing is an interesting one. Because what I realised is the body will take as much rest as it needs. And the mind will do the same. And the two are not necessarily linked they don't need the same the body and the mind do not need the same amounts of sleep so you can go into a daydream and let your mind just go to rest when your body can still be active you could be walking around you can go into dance trances can't you it's a similar sort of thing letting the body and the mind take the rest it needs and so the other thing is, when we believe that we need eight hours, when we wake up, we look at the clock and we go, oh God, I've only had six hours. And it's that which causes us the dissatisfaction with how much sleep we've had. So what I do, I wake up and I go, oh wow, I've had four hours, that's good, isn't it? Or I could actually do the opposite, couldn't I? Oh God, I've had four hours, I've only had four hours, I'm going to be tired, I'm going to be knackered. That attitude is what makes the difference to how we experience life. Because the truth of it is, whether I have that positive or that negative attitude, I've still had four hours sleep. And yes, I agree, when our sleep is disturbed, we can feel rough. But we don't need to take it all at one go. These power naps are wonderful, aren't they, if we just allow it. And I know for me, I used to do something called zonking out. And you might have been in this state yourself. It's where your body, my body, would just absolutely zonk out on the sofa. And I used to have nursery school, so we lived above that. And I could hear everything that was going on. I could hear the phone ring. I could hear my officer in charge. I could hear the children. But my body was resting and it would not move. So I couldn't answer the phone if it went. My body would not move. But I could hear it. And so there's different forms of resting. If we can just tune into ourselves and find out what is that I really need right now. And I guess the way I do that to tune in is to become aware of my breath. Like now, for example, I'm aware that I'm breathing in through my nose and I'm not letting out much breath because I'm talking. So already I can feel my breath building up inside. And what I'll do in a moment, in fact I'm going to do it right now. 
is just let go of all that breath that I wasn't allowing out because I was talking too quickly for too long. So again, just breathing into my, yeah, I can feel my head going a bit dizzy because I've been giving out words and not allowing the breath out slowly and deeply. So just coming back to myself now, in this moment, taking a big mouth breath in, allowing it to blow out, sigh out, just bringing myself back to equilibrium. Yeah, it doesn't take much, does it? So that's how I would check back in with myself. And um, if I'm awake at an early hour in the morning and I feel I need more sleep, I think, what is it that needs more rest? Is it my mind? And if so, I might just start counting, you know, like counting sheep. Or I might put a podcast on that's got some beautiful soft music or a soft story. Just allow my mind to settle back into rest. Or it might be that my mind is active, but my body's heavy. So I just allow the body to rest. I don't jump up and start doing things just because the mind wants to be active. I just tune in and find out what it is that needs rest, recuperation, recovery in this moment. And then there's the days when both the mind and the body are active at half past three or four o'clock in the morning. And that's when I can get up and do stuff. But either way, I'm really honouring that part of me that needs to rest. So yes, for all us wide awake club people, there's ways we can be with how we are. Because we do know that what we resist will persist. So if our bodies are heavy and tired and we try and get up, we're not serving ourselves well. If our mind is wanting rest and the body's ready to go, what I tend to do with that one, I will just stretch, you know, I'll twist my ankles as I'm lying in bed, I'll stretch my legs, but I'll allow my mind to be still. This is how it is when we really have that relationship with ourselves. It does take a bit of time, but on these nights when you're wide awake, just tune in. Just play, just practice twisting your ankles. Does my body want to do that? Is there any resistance? If there is, just don't bother doing it. You know, don't be fighting against yourself. The biggest battle we have is fighting ourselves. Surrender. There's an honour in surrender. (sighs) So I'm not even quite sure what this podcast was named yet. But I just wanted to acknowledge and honour the wide awake ones amongst us. And I'm up to 20 minutes. 
which is a little bit long. In fact, it's double what I usually do. So sending you love right now. I'm going to get off. What time is it? 5.36. And right now I think I'm ready to get up. Face the day ahead knowing that at any time I can just sit down, rest my body, close my mind off, any of those things. Honouring, self-caring, loving the self. Have a great day and rest well.